Welcome to the School Days podcast brought to you by Youth Choice. Today we went back to school with political commentator, broadcaster and publisher Ian Dale. I started by asking him to set the scene of what it was like when he was at school. Um, I grew up in a small village in Essex called Ashton, so I went to my local village primary school. I think there were about 100 of us. It's still there, though I think the role is now down to about 80. Um, and that was, when did I leave there? 1973. Uh, then I went to Saffron Walden County High School. My parents wanted me to go to a private school in Cambridge, and I took all the entrance exams, passed them, but then I thought, well, all my friends are going to Saffron Walden, so why, why can't I go there? So I refused to go, because it's about 16 miles from where we lived. And um, so I went to Saffron Walden County High School, did my O-levels, as they were then called. Not, they were GCSE pilots, I think, at that point, and did my A-levels in 1980. It's quite a big school, 1,300 kids, though now it's 2,200. And um, we hear lots of sort of comments about bog standard comprehensives, but it was actually a really, really good school. And um, I suppose, I mean, it set me off on my career and um, I'm still very good. I, I'm still in touch with some of the teachers from there, actually. In fact, I'm going to uh, the funeral of the former deputy head teacher there on Thursday in Cambridge. Hmm. Um, what type of uh, kid were you at school? Were you one of the naughty kids or were you one of the well-behaved kids? <laughs> um, a bit of both, actually. I... I was generally well behaved, but I had my moments. I did get sent out of the classroom a few times for talking too much and being cheeky to the teachers. Um, I got the slipper at primary school in those days, so you could have the slipper or the cane. Mm. And um, I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was because I looked up the primary school teacher's skirt while I was trying to get some books out. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so I. I was a bit, I, well, I suppose I was always a little bit of a swat, um, but I did like a bit of banter with the teachers, but some of the teachers didn't like banter with me particularly. And I, I always remember um, my English teacher, Mrs. Death, it's actually Mrs. Death, but she had an <laughs> apostrophe after the E. Um, somehow she spilt some ink on my desks, or I'd spilt it, uh, but it was actually her fault, and I sort of answered back to her, and she didn't like that. But um, I think I, I always wanted, I always really liked most of my teachers, and I always actually wanted to be a teacher when I left school. My, my original intention was to be a German teacher, so I was always quite interested in their approach and what, what they, how, how they approached their lessons. What was the worst thing you did, would you say? The worst thing I did at school, um, probably looking up the teacher's skirt. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some other bad things I did, but uh, oh, my head teacher at primary school, Mr. Kemp, um, he was completely bald, but had quite a pronounced sort of pimple on the top of his head, and all of our trays were behind his desk, and. I would always go get, when I went behind the train, he was sitting there at his desk, I'd sort of like make faces at all the kids behind him. And once I went, I pretended to touch the spot on the top of his head, <laughs> but I actually did touch the spot on the top <laughs> of his head. <laughs> so I, I can't, I never, I never did anything really bad. I don't think. I, mean, I was a bit of a wimp. I was, I was taller than everyone else, but I was very sort of thin and wiry. 
and I was I was bullied by a guy called Michael Owen, not the footballer, <laughs> um, and he he put me through a terrible time. And looking back, I should have just thumped him, but that wasn't really in my nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what what was your proudest moment in school? Um, God, my proudest moment in school, probably, um, and this is not a particularly exciting proud moment, but um, at our school we could only learn German if we were reasonably good at French. And there were three different classes in each stream, and the three classes had to put ten people forward to do German. Um, in my class, we were all thoroughly useless at French because we had terrible French teachers, and they changed literally every six months. But they put my name forward. And I remember having a conversation with my grandmother and said, I, I don't, why would I want to study German? And she said, well, you never know what it might lead to. Just give it a go. And if you don't like it, don't do it anymore. And I was terrible at German in my first year. And then in my second year, we went to on a school exchange trip to Germany. And I don't know what happened on that trip, but something flicked in my brain. And I came top of the class in the end of year exams. And my teacher thought I cheated because I was literally the worst in the class at German. And I got 70%. And, it, I, and I remember shortly after that, I said, he asked me a question in German and I responded in German. And he said, well, why did you say it like that? And I said, I don't know. And I always remember, he said, well, that is the first sign of fluency, when you say something, but you don't know why you've said it. Because I was thinking, well, he's going to have a go at me because I can't say, well, I use the nominative case for whatever. Um, and I think that, that set me on the road to doing German at A-level, and then I did it at university. And for me, that was quite a proud moment because I was never brilliant at anything at school. I wasn't, I never really got a grade A at anything. And I was one of those people that developed later in life. And um, so I was, I was always a sort of B or C plus. Um, so actually to come top of the class in that subject, which I mean, was a very difficult subject, I was quite proud of that. Fair enough. <coughs> um, what was your first day of secondary school, if, uh, if you can remember? Like It was quite intimidating going from a very small school to a very big school um, my best friend from primary school was in the same class that I was put into and um, I remember our, our classroom was a science lab and I was always I hated all science subjects and was never any good at them and just sort of wandering around when you're even though I was quite a tall child, so I didn't look as if I was the youngest in the school, but the, I, I remember the smell of the corridors. I can, I can even, I can smell it now, bizarrely. <laughs> um, and it was quite intimidating, and I, I think that's probably a very common experience. Um, so everyone goes to school, um, they get their GCSEs and make lifelong friends, but what's something other than that that's stayed with you since? Um... I think I learned the ability to talk in front of other people, which, of course, given what I do now for a living, was quite important. Mm. Um, my English teacher in the first three years had been an RAF pilot during the war, Joe Findlay, and he was really good in letting us debate with each other, learning the art of when to intervene, how forceful to be. And I remember in the sixth form, uh, Mrs. Diath again, she was the head of the sixth form then, and there was a sixth form committee, which I wasn't on, but it had done something bad, and I can't remember what it was. 
And she said to me one day, well, why don't you stand up at the next sick form meeting and propose a vote of no confidence in the committee? And I can remember doing that, absolutely scared out of my skin, thinking, oh my God, what am, I, am I going to be able to string two sentences together? But I did, and um, that was, I'm not sure that was necessarily the first time I'd stood up in front of a crowd, but when you do that sort of thing at that kind of age, um, well, it's, it's not, not easy. You're doing it in front of your peers, and... Um, I suppose, yeah, that, that's one thing. Uh, you mentioned earlier about getting the cane and the stick. Now, mm. for my generation, that's <laughs> something that would be unheard of and be yeah. pretty weird. So what was that actually like? Humiliating. In a sense, it was designed to be humiliating. So it was supposed to be a deterrent because the thought of getting the slipper or the cane, um, I suppose, did stop some people from misbehaving. In a way, it was the ultimate punishment. And I think, I mean, I don't advocate its return at all, but I think a lot of teachers now struggle to impose discipline because they don't actually have any ultimate sanctions. Um, and if you have a disruptive class and you can't control it, um, that is, people aren't going, the kids aren't going to learn. Um, I, I remember when I taught in a German school, I loved teaching the 10-year-olds because they, they actually wanted to learn, but the 14, 15-year-olds I absolutely loathed because they were just interested in talking and I couldn't control them. Um, I th the cane wasn't used that often in my secondary school, but it, wa it, it was used. Um, nowadays, it would be seen as child abuse. Um, but those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you only came out when you were 40. Did that have mm. any effect at all on you during your school life? No. I mean, I knew I was gay from the age of eight, which sounds a bit of a weird thing mm. to say, but you just do. And in those days, there was, a, there was pressure to conform, to be like everyone else. And I suppose I had always imagined that I would get married and have children, just like everyone else did. Um, I remember my first day, it, I don't think, it, at, at, at school, I don't remember any sort of, there were no gay kids at my school, whereas now, I mean, I, sort of my nieces and nephews say, well, there are sort of girls or boys walk around hand in hand, no one blinks an eyelid. Well, that certainly wasn't true. There was always this, people would talk about this guy, Ted, in Gold Street in Saffron Walden, but he, he was sort of, he was a puff. And, but I don't remember sort of thinking, well, how dare they talk about people like that. I can remember in the local swimming pool, sort of in the toilet cubicles, there was sort of graffiti on the walls and sort of vaguely gay stuff. <laughs> you'll, you'll laugh at this. And, uh, and I'm looking at Sophie through the window here thinking, she's going to think, is he really going to say this? I am going to say it. And there, in the toilet cubicle walls, there were like circular holes. I was thinking, what are they for? <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that to people's imagination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what song would remind you of your, your school days, would you say? Um, a German song, funnily enough, which uh, I knew from my school exchange, where when, they came, when the German kids came back to uh, Saffron Walden, we did a disco for them, and I bought this single. It was called Oh Susie by Frank Zander. And it was a bit sort of, it was actually a comedy song rather than a, a proper sort of disco song or anything. 
and I can remember I would play this and I was like disc jockey this um, this event and I kept playing this song the German kids were thinking please can you stop playing this <laughs> song I, I, I could actually sing it to you in German right now but I'll save your listeners that um, and finally what advice if you if I gave you a time machine what, what would you say to 16 year old you I actually wrote a letter to my 16-year-old self on my blog quite a few years ago now. And I think, I think you've just got to be confident. And although people have always seen me as quite a confident person, in essence, I'm actually a very shy person, which, when you think about what I do for a living, is a bit weird. Going on radio and television, people think, well, you're obviously an extrovert. How can you possibly be shy? But... I don't like walking into a room full of strangers and having to sort of make small talk and trying to... It's, it's my idea of hell. I hate that. Um, I, so I wasn't... Even though I, I, I think most people would have seen me at 16 as quite a confident person, I, I actually wasn't. I think my advice would be to uh, make the most of all the opportunities that came my way, which I think generally I have done, although I think back to my years in Germany where I, I had a car, but I didn't really go and see as much of the country as I should have done. Um, I should have had the courage to do more about my sexuality before I did. Um, as you say, I came out at the age of 40. I wish I had done it at university. But even then, there was a the, the sort of pressure to conform. And I remember... In my second year, there was a gay society, and I was head of the Conservative Society at that point, and I walked by the stand, and this guy said to, Nick Crook was his name, he actually befriended me on Facebook not that long ago. He, he said, well, why don't you join? I said, because I'm not gay. <laughs> and he said, well, you don't have to be gay to join, but I, I didn't. Um, and I wish I had been able to sort of acknowledged that. I did acknowledge it to myself, but I didn't really acknowledge it to anyone else. It was only in 1990 when I was 28 that I ever told anyone else. And um, I, I think the, the more you can actually be yourself from a young age, the better it is. And that's why it's so great nowadays that you, whether you're gay, bi, transgender, whatever, even though there are still some stigmas attached to all these different words, it is so much easier in today's society to be yourself. And you, you look at other countries around the world and you think, well, how easy is it for gay people in Uganda, for example? You look at the horrific things that happen to them there in some Middle Eastern countries. And we're incredibly lucky in this country that we now just don't generally see an issue with it. Um, so I think to be more confident in, in that area. And I think just try and achieve your dreams. As a, in the talk that I've just um, given, I said that I wanted to be a member of parliament or a radio presenter. Well, I tried to be a member of parliament. No one can accuse me of not trying, didn't make it. Um, but I have been a radio, or I am a radio presenter. So I've achieved one of my two career goals in life. And I think most people would actually settle for that. Thanks to Ian Dell for coming in and we'll see you next time. This is Youth Choice Podcasts.